0: It's October 1st, 2020. This is Rook. if you, like me, grew up addicted to movies and TV, but you weren't exactly a white kid with blonde hair and a perfect turned-up nose, you might not have really ever seen yourself reflected on screen. Things have changed, of course. Conscious casting has led to a lot more diversity in Hollywood and beyond. But when it comes to people of Middle Eastern, North African or South Asian background, we're still often invisible. Azita Zada is a successful actress who's appeared in numerous hit TV shows and films. She's also a proud Afghan-American who's made it her mission to bring more people like her, like us, into significant roles on and off the camera. Azitek Anisada joins us today. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rock. Yes, hi there. Hope you're all doing well out there. Welcome to episode number 49 of Rook. (inaudible) Omidvar hastamke... (laughs) Kaifetun <laughs>
1: Where did that come from? I knew it. I knew
0: it. <laughs> you see, Shia, I always have out. something up my sleeve.
2: Where did you get that from? I always
0: have something. Can you please explain it to Keon now? Oh yeah. should be
3: Imagine Kaif is a is an instrument. And cook is tuned, ah. so I, I I hope that your instrument is wow. well tuned. that's yeah.
2: poetic. That's yeah. a that's that. a nice way of saying
1: it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always <laughs> thought it just means mizun That's or
0: right. Like, I'm shape. always looking for alternative ways to say mushi <laughs> <laughs> to Please, Shia. <laughs> Uh, very happy to be on this uh, episode, number 49, with the Rook team uh, assembled here. Very happy to have Azita Qanizadeh, you know, as I, as uh, I, as I was Kani, doing the bills. Qanizadeh, I suppose. No. See, Shaya? Mm. I, see, see, your Your wisdom has its limits. She's oh. Afghan. So it's actually not Qanizadeh. Oh. The way we'd say it in Farsi would be oh. Azita Qanizadeh, right? But yeah. she's actually Qanizadeh. Oh, I, I know that because she told me. Mm. No. So. Two
1: nothing, Xi'an. Let's <laughs> do it. Shire, you're having a bad oh,
0: no. having a bad start here. Buddy. Go have a coffee. He <laughs> <laughs> can't even correct us correctly. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: that's. I think that's the only time you've ever cor- tried correcting me that I've been right and you've been wrong. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Now, I was actually thinking when I was doing the bills there a second ago, introducing the show, as This is like a. This is like a nightmare for Donald Trump. It's like a, this is like a Proud Boys nightmare, hearing, hearing these names. It's like, uh, what is happening to the world? Why is this show? She's a, Azita, if you don't already know her, very prolific actor in Hollywood. She's been in all kinds of uh, programs, She was one of the cast members of General Hospital, uh, Night Shift, uh, a show called Alpha. She's been on Baller. She's been on Entourage. uh, She's made a couple of feature films. um, But she's also been very outspoken and effective in trying to encourage Mina. This is Middle Eastern, North African, South Asian representation in casting, film production, certainly on screen. So uh, it's great to have her on the program just to be talking about, well, that and her story. Um, looking forward to talking to her in a few moments. As I say, the the Rook Thursday team is here. Groovy Shia, you've heard him. How are you, Shia? Oh, kifam okay, kuche kuche. <laughs> you're still in my language now. And, and uh, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How, How are, are you? you? I'm
1: great. I'm fantastic. That's, that's the way you. To that's
0: the way you uh, seduce people with that. <laughs> How, hello, sir. <laughs> that's, uh, Hello. <laughs> Hello, sir. That's Hi. my impression of you, by the way. <laughs> Hello, it? sir. Like cool I don't know why. You don't really sound like that. I think that, you
2: always say that every episode. Hello, hello sir. Hello, sir. Yeah. Hello, sir.
0: And the fabulous Keon. Hi,
2: Gian. Did you notice You're, anything different today?
0: You are... I you put
2: in effort. I did my hair and you makeup. You know why? Stunning. Because you messaged me, what, at 9 or 10 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, tomorrow we're taking a team photograph. I was like, a little time, please. Give M- me some...
0: More than 24 I hours? I to
2: arrange my <laughs> hair and makeup, people. I had to do my own hair and makeup like a peasant.
0: <laughs> How many people do you have? I have <laughs> Lots of people
2: that need to do work on me. She's so angry. I am did my Which best. You,
0: we, who are the peasants who are doing their hair and makeup? By <laughs> me the way, today. <laughs> okay. I
2: spent hours so, in front so of the mirror. So, just
0: uh, our, yeah. So, next episode is our fiftieth episode. So, <laughs> I was thinking we should we going to take a team photo. We can put yes. it up on it. Uh, but, but I do So, how many days advanced, a week ahead
2: <laughs> of time so I can make arrangements like the night before literally I, you look I great to you
0: always look great no, you look yes. great I, when you even when you just have the cola cap no you do no, no. but yeah.
2: I, I can't take a team photo with my cola cap and why sweater why not that's and, so I casual because I look like a dude cool. I look like a man they would be like so <laughs> which one like a, is Kiyomi you don't
0: uh, you will never look like a dude uh. speaking of which I haven't seen you amongst the dudes at, at our gym
2: <laughs> I go in the mornings I try to avoid humanity uh. in general Mm-hmm. Right. When right. do you go?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I go in the in the early evenings or in the afternoon. Ah, yeah, So I miss you. A lot of people there. Yeah. So I uh, haven't quite figured out how to navigate the mask etiquette though.
2: What, what do you mean? What? <laughs> you put on a mask, you walk <laughs> no, no, in, you take it off when you yeah. <laughs> run. Well, or. first
0: of all, you have to have a mask in our gym. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. COVID cases yes, are on the rise. Yeah. But, um, all right, so then when I go, so I do a lot of cardio. My first half of the workout is yeah, I usually go for a run on the tre- You Do you wear a mask on your treadmill? Of or? course
2: not. I would die. I would collapse right, if right, I
3: did that.
0: Right, exactly. We don't want you to die. I don't mm. wear a mask. So what they allow you to do is you can go in, you can take off the mask when you're on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. But then there's always like a weird, like I have to walk from the treadmill to go get the, the sanitizer stuff, and then so I have to put the mask back on to go a few steps. Then I get the sanitizer stuff, come back and clean. It, it, it's just a lot of work. It it's a lot is. of work I, with I the agree. mask on yeah, and off. It. It's but it, but anyway, that's fine. So when you're on the machine, when you're working on, you know. So, um, but you can't control what the other people are doing. No, I mean most everyone is supposed to wear a mask in the gym. Yeah. So then I'm on the. Uh, a couple of days ago, I'm on the lat pull-down machine you know the thing that you, you ever do that
2: yeah well yeah. yes not like that i don't know what you're doing here yeah.
0: uh, <laughs>
3: yeah, yes i am mean I not like that like, <laughs> i'm doing the lat pull-down you pull know, your you arms you up and down funny. Like, like this. yes sure yeah. that thing so
0: i'm facing outward right uh-huh. i'm facing the, the gym there's people who can walk in front of you yeah and if they're walking around they should wear the mask yeah. we've established that right that's the etiquette they
2: have to yeah right
0: that's the mask-a-kit. It is. Yeah. Mask. yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so then this there's this huge guy like a, a really large guy like a like tank like huge you know like he could stomp on me you know <laughs> okay. uh, not 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 necessarily in shape huge got it yeah yeah I have the a, image and very like hairy oh no and oh. Uh, and like sweaty oh, hairy uh, oh. like probably Iranian you know cuz <laughs> he's like hairy and, I mean, you know, if he
2: goes to that gym there's a high doesn't, chance doesn't
0: doesn't have ethics and <laughs> yeah we have some Iranians at this there's, there's a, a lot of Iranians
2: in, you can't hide <laughs> <laughs> not in they're
0: everywhere. I don't know why he doesn't have, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have ethics, but anyway.
2: <laughs> I just got that. What did you mean to say?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: etiquette. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. I said no. ethics. In etiquette. He's oh like, in other words, because he, because no, you have to hear the story. I'm getting to the story, the ethics oh, part. Right. But I don't know why the guy has to be Iranian to like I'm just like dissing our culture. No, he's but but I, he probably was Iranian, oh, quite let's, frankly. Let's face it. But I didn't. I didn't. Uh, there was no raft or mad. We didn't talk. We didn't. You know. <laughs> so 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 the guy for a huge sweaty guy whatever he is walking back and forth talking to his buddy who's uh, right in front of me and you know when people do them first of all like what do you call uh uh like in in english it's like a i don't know what a meathead or something like these Mm -hmm. big gym Mm -hmm. guys even though this guy's not even in that shape meat head yeah yeah not meathead but what (laughs) what would you call like a big guy who's kind of like uh you know big hairy guy, guy?
3: i i i would say we have a word gulag but
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like
3: you know the Kind of guy yeah, yeah. uh, But yeah. isn't
2: You can shorten that to gul, no? Or is it gulag? No, no, no
1: Gulag is like a gulag. human version gulag. of gulag. a gorilla okay. ah. uh,
0: It's a clean version?
1: Yeah Well, a human and clean version uh, uh, No, it's uh, not clean okay. It's not clean at okay.
0: all <laughs> Okay, gulag uh, 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 I, had l- <laughs> I had a little sour cream with my gulag <laughs> Okay, well, so, delicious. The, so the g- gulag <laughs>
3: All right, so uh, the, this so, the, the, the so the gulag
0: is <laughs> is walking back and forth. It's great. You know when people have that that move where they put the the, the mask underneath their chin,
3: uh-huh, right? Yeah. Like
0: they're wearing the mask; yeah. it's going behind the ears, yeah. the straps, but they're wearing it. It's almost like supporting their chin. <laughs> like, why not just take the ma- you know? So he the the gulag had uh, <laughs> had pulled the mask down, right? Okay. And he's. Walking back and forth, (laughs) screaming, like screaming to his friend. You know, right near me, in my proximity, has a lot of space, but he's so that. And every time he talks, I'm I'm feeling like I'm getting all the COVID from the gulag. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like spreading all 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 over me. Sweaty,
4: hairy. By the way, why do
0: the biggest, hairiest guys always also wear like the tank top? Like he's not even covering himself. (laughs) They wear
2: it proudly. I'm hairy and I'm liking open (laughs) armpits.
0: You know, and like yeah, yeah. So and so uh, all the gulag spray is coming. (laughs) I so good i put the i put the mask i put my own mask tighter you know like trying to prevent the spread of the anyway but the whole story is i mean the the, the 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 shameful part of this for me is that i didn't feel like like it's that i didn't say anything what I could didn't. You I didn't say the well man. That,
2: uh, he could crush you. Exactly. With his <laughs> exactly.
0: Even now, I'm worried he's going to come after me. He's <laughs> yeah, going to hear the story. He's listening. <laughs> and, and, but I feel like I should have. Can you know, uh, for the sake of society, for the you know, I feel like I should have said anything, but I didn't say anything. First of all, I guess I could talk to one of the the trainers or something. Yeah. But then I'm a rat. Then yeah. I'm going the calling some guy yeah. out. You Go know? to
2: another machine. And perhaps? I but
0: I can't imagine. Right, so I have to go somewhere well, else. Well, if
2: you want to avoid the gulag, I
3: can <laughs> yeah. imagine that's... The, angry, the g- g- <laughs> angry gulag. Oh, no, it's
0: the gulag. He wasn't, he wasn't angry. I don't know why. you are got to stand up to the gulag. But mate. the gulag was... Yeah, I, 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 I didn't have the... Guts. The fortitude. I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the, to, to stand up to the gulag and say, Listen... Buddy, put your, you know I I didn't try, I don't know Would you have spoken to him? I
3: wouldn't say, never, never No, No, yeah Maybe I I act like that, you know In front of him
0: Uh, Oh, you would show, demonstrate that you're In an animated fashion, that you're putting your mask on So that maybe the gulag knows that (laughs) He should do that as well
3: G- gulag Good are point. smart. <laughs> <laughs> are they? Are there? S- <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no <thank you>. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the best strategy To With the gulag To, to manipulate the gulag
2: <laughs> Set some traps
0: <laughs> uh, Anyway So that's my experience At our gym Oh no I, I, Yeah I, I would
2: I would suggest Coming in the mornings There's less gulags <laughs> There's no Persians By the way Persians are not Morning people really? From my experience Yeah no, they were still I, asleep more or something. Like I find in, in the evenings There's many more Persians Yeah
0: This guy Doesn't look like, like he gets their, This guy does doesn't get up at 5.30, trust yeah, exactly. me. This guy gets up and eats up. like 12 <laughs> eggs at 11 a.m. and he eats, then he comes few, to the gym and terrorizes <laughs> people.
2: Eats a few cello kebabs oh, and then funny. comes in with funny. his kebab sweats. <laughs> anyway,
0: so I I don't know what I'm going mean, to... I, I find this whole mask thing. It's so important. Mm. And the COVID cases are going up. Yeah. And I honestly, I've been defending going back to the gym because there's some people in my life going, I don't know, should you be going back? Oh, I
2: will kill anybody that tries to take away the gym again. Right.
0: It's great. It's yeah. great. And they Mental do such a great job. Mm, of, but this was the first time I thought, you know what? I never this that. guy, mm. I left sprayed full yeah. of gulach COVID. <laughs> 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 I had a full on Gulag COVID coating uh, around, that around me. Yeah, I, don't th- I think probably the people who work there, they're pretty diminutive they're too. They're probably scared of them too. They're my size. They're normal <laughs> yeah. people. They're scared of this giant, like, <laughs> Kong, like, you know. So that's yeah. an
2: anomaly. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's many
3: gulags that Gulag do that. Gulag
0: yeah. <laughs> 19 <laughs> Uh, listen. Uh, there's a few things I've got to announce here. First of all, um, uh, the, we've got a new Rook Reads. We've got a, a section on our website at uh, at RookMedia.com where uh, we've got uh, we're we're going to have different folks. Right now, we got one guy writing um, pieces, opinion pieces, and thought pieces about what about the content on our show. A young guy named Navon who's a uh, 23-year-old singer-songwriter who has just written a new piece uh, about the Farid Zoland episode, which really affected him, talking again about copyright and compensation and recognizing our great composers and uh, writers of uh, Iranian heritage. Uh, So that's at rookmedia.com, a new Rook read from Navon. Uh, and uh, did you notice anything when you walked into the the, the studio area, the, the office area? There's a
2: beautiful painting,
0: right? A Beautiful, isn't painting. isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. So that's for, so we got a new piece of art in. Uh, we talked about having our Ebrin paintings in our in our office space. Uh, we we have a, a new piece of art from someone named Hamid Kuchak. He's an artist and a photographer, and he's the director of something called the Moments Art Gallery, and that's one of his pieces, which mm-hmm. he he just uh, he's a likes what we're doing with Rook, and he offered it to us and wow. uh yeah it's so uh thank you to hamid and thank you for the work you do for the community and he has a his i'm going to shout out to his website it's momentsartgallery.com Moments Art Gallery. Uh, we got it, we've got we been getting a bunch of uh, reaction to our, our episodes last week, all really positive with Shah Rukh, people loving the Shah yeah, Rukh, right? Yeah,
2: there's a lot of interesting commentary uh, there. Uh, you got some mail there. on yeah. that yeah, and
0: Maximini as well. We didn't get to that uh, last week, so we'll get to the Maximini. Uh, all right, why don't we get to our uh, – we're all yes, good? Yes, yeah, we'll yes, get to our featured one, guest. Yes. All right. My future guest today is an Afghan American actress whose dad used to work at the U.S. Embassy in Iran. It was through the diplomatic relationships that he had nurtured in that job that her family could flee turbulent conditions in Afghanistan in 1979 when she was a baby. They ended up in the Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C. and quickly became, as she tells the story, the Brown family of the neighborhood. Azitaq Zada has certainly transformed those challenging early years and the expectations of a conservative household into an impressive and notable acting career in Hollywood and beyond. If you've been an American TV fan in recent years, it's a good bet you've seen her in one role or another. Among the shows she has made appearances in are How I Met Your Mother, Ballers, Entourage, Ghost Whisperer, The Mentalist. Veronica Mars, and General Hospital Night Shift, where she was a cast member. More recently, Azita has appeared in the feature film Complete Unknown, opposite Rachel Weiss and Michael Shannon, where she spoke Persian on screen. But beyond acting success, perhaps Azita's most significant current contribution to popular culture and representation is as the founder of the MENA Arts Advocacy Coalition, specifically advocating for the casting, representation, and recognition for performers of Middle Eastern, North African, and South Asian background. And right now, Azitak Anizada joins me from Los Angeles, California. Hello.
5: Hi, Gian. How are you?
0: Very happy to have you on the program. Thank you so much for doing this.
5: Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to speak to you and to get to know about your program and everything that you're doing and putting out there. Uh, For the Diaspora, it's brilliant, and I love it.
0: I thank you. I mean, to be clear, you are of Afghan descent, not Iranian, but many of us would consider you a a sister based on your, your culture, your traditions, maybe especially the way Westerners would have seen you growing up. Have you often had Iranians clamoring to claim you as one of our own, or is this a new experience for you?
5: No, all the time, actually. A lot of people, and because, you know, my mom actually speaks um, fluent Persian Farsi as well and so uh, it's, it's so interesting that whole that c- continent in that area Iran, uh, Afghanistan and India are such an integral part of my upbringing my mom spent a lot of her life in India And uh, genetically and ancestrally, I have met much Indian heritage, and I also have some Iranian um, ancestry as well. And I think just my family appreciated all of the cultures, and it was something that was very alive in our home. We never felt separate from those parts of the world I always felt like they were my brothers and sisters one because we had similar backgrounds and stories and and two because they looked like me <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I needed people that looked like me around me yeah. well now um, that
0: now that we know that you've got some ancestry we'll definitely claim you as as one <laughs> of our own although it'll be like she is 100% Irani like it'll be like this yeah. debate that is had in, <laughs> amongst Iranians who want to claim everything as you know Tom Cruise Tom Khurustige he's ours yeah, you know Tom, uh,
3: yes uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> so
0: um, I, listen, I want to get into your story because it's it's it, it's certainly a very interesting one. And I love the trajectory because I consider it a, a real success story in terms of what you've overcome. But let me start first with uh, some of the issues in which we're going to deal with. We're living in this moment where I guess despite the current person occupying the White House or, or or maybe because of him, there has been this dramatic rise in awareness around identity, around representation, around cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had the news that the Oscars are adopting new regulations to bring more diversity to the awards. This mm-hmm. consciousness wasn't necessarily the case in the past, even a few years ago when you first founded the MENA Arts Advocacy Coalition. Do you feel like folks are just catching up to you?
5: You know, that's an interesting question. I do feel in some regards that people are claiming their identity more in the last few years. And I do think that there has been, uh, one, a turn at people really needing to look at themselves and say, wait a minute, why am I being otherized? why am I living in a country or in a state of the world where I'm being otherized because often they probably didn't see themselves as other. And so you have a reckoning with a large part of people from, you know, the Middle East through North Africa where they they have to recognize that they're being othered. And so now they're claiming and taking their power back and being proud of their cultural identity. And I also truly believe that there's this big push from the millennials where the millennials are really out there pushing their identity and saying, you know, I'm interested in where I come from. This is my culture. This is who I am. I was raised in America, but you're not going to take that away from me. And you're not going to limit me in like my scope of who you think I am. And so there's also this movement on social media from the younger generation that's coming out and saying, no i'm Iranian american i'm afghan american i'm afghan i'm you know whatever it is that they how they're claiming themselves and they're taking great pride in that and when yeah. someone takes pride in where they're from it gives other people the the Prowess to take pride in themselves. Of
0: course, there are others then who also, though, at the same time, take take umbrage at being othered. You know, say, I, I, I'm not a minority. I'm, you know, we're white. We'll get to that because I want to bring that up with you. But just yeah. on this note about the Oscars, um, yes. I, let me just ask you about this because I, I think I saw either a tweet from you or an Instagram you were celebrating mm-hmm. this as I would suspect that you would based on being the founder of the MENA Arts Advocacy Coalition. But there are, <laughs> yes. there have been many high-profile folks in the entertainment industry who've come out against the new Oscar rules and I should say you know even on our Rook team we have um uh, one of our 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 guys we call him Captain Reza here he's he's Iranian Mm -hmm. he is a he's an actor and and he is you know in the industry he's appeared in some feature films and he opposes it he says you know I want awards to be Mm -hmm. based on merit not having anything to do with the race or ethnic background what 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 do you say to those folks
5: so I'm going to just really quickly kind of educate everybody on that the standard a where they you know need you to have two out of you know the cast to be you know of the those categories which were african american asian american latinx native american pacific islander and now for the first time ever including mina um, which is what my applause was about was included in the standard practices and guidelines now, last year in 2019, so, so again, to
0: clarify, in case anybody needs to be reminded of MENA, that this is, you're saying that Middle Eastern people, North African people, South Asian people are now included in the, this category of, of, of diversity, yes. that, and we weren't before.
3: Yes, right.
5: we were not. Before, we were counted as Caucasian, which completely erased us from hiring practices, to be honest, without the recognition of people going, oh, that person's MENA. So, when they're like, well, I have to hire someone that's from these five categories, before MENA existed there, when they met a Middle Eastern actor or a North African actor, they didn't think that, that they could hire them because it didn't go towards those kinds of standards. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. So when diversity became important, actually, the Middle East and North Africa disappeared from the conversation because we were uh, always put into the Caucasian box. And so our group started working less and really only receiving for me personally only receiving roles that i needed to otherize myself in order to get a job i was like oh wear a hijab or do you speak another language or if when they needed a terrorist then of course they were going to find authenticity within the region and within the group but getting those everyday roles that you could go and fight for were not available to us anymore because we were no longer counted. When diversity rules really became hot and important in 2015, we became invisible. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that we made ourselves invisible. We were happy to kind of fly under the radar and get the jobs and do whatever. There was nobody really standing up and fighting for us. There was no... You know, uh, like in the African American community, there wasn't this large charge to say, you know, we need to be, there's no double A- NAACP saying, hey, you know, you have to include African American people in your, you know, contracts, in the, the clauses of how you hire in standard hiring practices, because TV is 90% white and that's not even the actual accurate representation of what the world looks like. Right. And so we didn't have an NAACP saying we need to have some MENA people because that you're not accurately representing us. And so that's how MENA Arts Advocacy was born, was to, when I realized, because I was told by a casting executive, I kept, you know, I was coming off of a TV series, Alphas, and I thought this was a moment for me. You know, I had billboards everywhere. I was working with incredible actors and, I was not getting TV shows. I tested three times that year and casting director called me and let me know that I was unhirable because I was not the diverse choice.
0: Wow. You see, I was going to ask you about this because I mean, you, you would seem to have done quite well in Hollywood. Your, your IMDb page is packed with credits, some of which I cited in the introduction. And I could imagine somebody in our community, let alone a white person saying, you know, oh, you're doing just fine. And how do you know how much farther you would have gotten if you were a white blonde actress with a, a turned up little nose?
5: Well, I mean that that's the whole thing. I was never white enough to play the lead. So I would come in and be the best friend or I would be, you know, the tech person or, you know, the boss somewhere in there, and I would service the lead's story, right? And that's usually a diverse hire. And when you watch TV, you'll start to see that, you know, there's a, there's a formula to it, but I was no longer diverse enough to play and service the white lead story or the black lead story now, which is, is prevalent in television, which is amazing. Um, I was not ethnic enough. And so I had to fight to create some recognition for our group outside of being in the Caucasian box. And so that's where Mina came in in 2017. We got that, um, with sag and the producers, we created the first new casting category in 37 years. And that was actually, you know, Asaf Cohen, um, who works with SAG-AFTRA, helped me do that. And, and a Persian actor, Amir Talai, uh, was a big spokesperson for us on that as well. And then an Egyptian actor named Amir El-Gamal was also very, you know... Um, um, active and helping us push forward the category. Mm. And so it was kind of this, you know, g- group from the Middle East and North Africa and South Asia kind of fighting for recognition. And we achieved it. And with that, I've been going around pushing the MENA, Middle East and North African, because it was part of what the US Census was trying to roll out for 2020. Right. So I was pushing MENA from the US Census and I have a couple professors that I was working with throughout Hollywood. So now it's in all the breakdowns and I worked with this casting society of America and now it's, you know, so now I was educating all the casting directors and the producers. Well, MENA is Middle East, North Africa, and that includes every country. By the from way, Morocco it's, it's not Egypt.
0: just about uh, casting. Uh, you may know. I mean, parenth- parenthetically, there's a there's a campaign called Iranians Count, uh, which is trying to encourage Iranian-Americans to sign up for the census in your country because Iranians traditionally have shied away from signing up for anything, so they're not counted. So that means we don't get the benefits that we would get of being actually a sizable minority group in the states. And we're
5: undercounted, Gian. This is the thing. So this year with the census, because my org partnered with them, and we are allowed, for the first time ever, we didn't get the MENA category, but we can write in our country of origin in the other box or in the Asian box. Now, the reason why this is so important is because we are so grossly undercounted. So when you're going for a job and you're being hired and they're like, uh, well, they're not really, there's only 1%, you only make 1% of the population. H- how are you even counting that? We go into the white box. Right. So you're not even accurately counting us. So maybe we're 3.5%, maybe we're 4.5%, maybe we're 5.5%. So that when you see that only 1% of us or 0.6% of us have representation, you realize how much we're diminished. And that is in a large part due to the cultures kind of diminishing themselves and their own presence. So it's so important for people in the United States of Middle Eastern and North African and South Asian descent to write in their country of origin so that we can be properly counted for the first time so that we can get health funding, so that we can get congressional representation. You know, the data matters. And I know it sounds so silly to some people because – they don't think about it. But if anything, this election in the last four years have taught us that people need to understand the importance of the census. They need to understand the importance of their local ballots, their judges and their DAs. They need to understand the importance of their state elections and then their federal elections. You know, people are always just focused on the big picture as opposed to what's impacting their life every day. And for our groups throughout this entire region of the world, erasing our own identity because there's shame, there's shame associated with being from our part of the world for a large group of them because of the way we are represented because we are overrepresented in the news and in the media as bad or terrorists or dangerous or violent and so we have to start claiming that we're not and that we're everyday citizens and that that's a small fact fraction of you know a population that are shitty people? Okay. <laughs> Bad people. Excuse my language. You no,
0: know, it's okay. Um, so, so slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You're you're yeah. you talk very fast. You've got a lot. to see. You've clearly done this before. Let me let me pick up on a couple of things there. First of all, let me close the the folder on the Oscars thing and, and just push back and, and just get a specific response from me on that. So yeah. so if when Reza says, okay, yeah, I want recognition, I want representation, but when it comes to the awards, I I don't want to win an award because I'm I've been put into a category and I is he diminishing himself then?
5: Here's the answer to that. Last year, 2019 and 2018, 95 out of the 100 top 100 films already met standard A. It's already in practice. 95 out of the top 100 films already met standard A. And so what this does is it elevates the highest level of casting to say, if and where there's a film project that is Academy Award worthy, that they might think outside of the box Mm. of what they might do. They might look a little harder for a performer that isn't their five go-to, and they might open up that field for others. Now, it's not something that is going to change the landscape tremendously, but it does put the idea and creators and producers' heads when they see those different categories to potentially give a MENA person the chance. And that's the difference that it makes because it's not going to, it's we're not overriding the business. What people don't understand is that this is already in play. It's just that people don't wanna see that it's a recommendation.
0: That was the perfect answer. Uh, let me pick up on something else you mentioned too, which is about shame. And you're talking about that as a girl who grew up in Virginia uh, and I relate to that as a boy who grew up in the suburbs of, of, of London and Toronto and Hanif Qureshi would relate to that as somebody who grew up in London so um, I just want to ask you when you're talking about these MENA rules and uh, you are talking about casting and, and recognition in Hollywood but I'm, I'm imagining since you founded this, this uh, coalition and have been telling these stories you're hearing that this generalizes Across the world, right? This isn't just an American issue.
5: I don't believe it's an American issue because, you know, I have performers from the UK and other parts of the world consistently asking me how I can help them learn how to create change in their parts of the world. Right. And so, you know, I'm actively working with performers in the UK and in Canada. Um, A lot of Canadian actors reach out to me and say, How did you do this? Can you help us, you know, maybe the United States is more progressive than Canada or, you know, in the UK, there's the only it's Caucasian and then it's BAM, which is black and other minority ethnics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, most of the MENA community and Swana community, however you want to call it there feel completely erased.
0: Right. I love and it when so, we're the other minority ethnics <laughs> We're in this category, in some bullpen of, of ethnic people. Yeah,
5: Other. And, and so in that space, it's like all other ethnic minorities. And so they feel completely invisible and don't really know how to actually kind of create this change. And it's, it's actually taking people that have some success in their respective fields that, are running into these walls to say, I don't want to deal with this anymore, Mm. and I want to create this change. Mm. And that's really how it begins, is from, you know, it just takes a handful of committed people to say, this isn't good enough, and we have to to change this. And hopefully what we've done in the United States sets the practice and the guidelines for the rest of the country, I mean, rest of the world. Right.
0: I was going to say, I'm not sure that anyone has uttered the words, maybe the us is more progressive than canada at least <laughs> since obama but, but 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 maybe maybe in this particular category they might say that you know that's what
5: the performers say yeah. you know and i get a lot of messages from them the canadian you know middle eastern north african performers feel very erased
0: this group is to to be honest i i i wish you i wish this was around when i was you probably wish this was around when you were younger i mean this is this is you know we needed that we've needed this for years let let me get into your story and come back to to some of these specific challenges uh you know azita learning about you and your story uh, honestly it's an exercise in learning about strength I feel you're, you're very inspiring to me you've you've overcome not just coming from the Middle East as a refugee to the West but what you've described as a very conservative family structure as well so let, let's let start with the refugee part um, you said you don't even know your real birthday how so
5: <laughs> well we fled you know so we were asylum seekers so we were political refugees not refugees but we fled you know we we took what we could, and we got out of there. And there's there's two parts. Um, there's two answers to that question. One, getting a birthday certificate or a birth certificate or whatever, isn't common practice in Afghanistan. I think they register you at some point, but it's not even really like when I when I did receive my certificate of um, you know my citizen of certif- certif- certification of citizenship. Uh, I was able to get it because of 9-11. Because once 9-11 happened, they established an Afghan embassy in the Hmm. United States again for the first time. Hmm. And so the embassy was able to take my school um, work and my mother's word that this was a, a valid birthday for me. And on the birth certificate issued from the embassy, it says... It has and never will be common practice to issue birth certificates in Afghanistan. And so that's really the truth. But whatever paperwork we really did have, we just left. You know, my parents just packed a bag and got on a you know, got out of there. Mm. And so we didn't bring much with us. They barely brought themselves, you know. Mm. Um, we just kind of showed up and, and had what very little possessions we had on us. And so that's kind of how we landed in Virginia, outside of Washington D.C. And
0: you've also said there were not a lot of toys or Barbies when you were growing up. How how aware were you that you didn't have things that other kids had, or that your life was different?
5: I think I did. I think I was aware at school, um, and this is where the shame comes in. You know, coming from, and I can't can't imagine, especially f- with the politicization of Islam and, and Iran and the revolution and everyone having to navigate these horrible stories with what their family is enduring while they're, you know, in the United States. For us, it was, you know, my mom never kept us from um, children losing limbs in landmines. She would openly show us photos and tell us that's what we escaped. And, you know, it's not the healthiest thing for a child right. <laughs> to right. see. And I just don't know that my mom knew what healthy was. You know, it's no fault to her. She just kind of was in post-traumatic stress and war stress. And she just didn't, and had small children to raise and was trying to deal with getting her parents and brothers and sisters out of refugee camps and into the United States. And they never hid any of that from us. They didn't make life feel easy. They made us aware of everything that was going on in our country and the turbulence. And the news was on all the time. And so I became very aware of global uh, affairs from a young age mm. and i would go back to school you know after christmas and everybody would be talking about what they got for christmas and i would lie and i would just make up toys mm. <laughs> one because we didn't celebrate christmas but two it wasn't really something my parents did you mm. know was biased toys you know maybe one or two maybe Maybe we had a candyland board game that we shared between the three of us but it wasn't it wasn't a big part of my childhood. My childhood was world affairs, television, and um, chores, leadership school.
0: but you've also <laughs> you said know? you know you've also said I didn't know I was different until others pointed it out and I, I, I so relate to that. Um, because I I really didn't, I don't know if that I really knew how different I was until the revolution happened and the hostage crisis and I'm this kid and they start calling me a terrorist and stuff. Before that, even things that I can now look back and I mean, when I was growing up in England, they called me blackie which is um comical because I'm not, you know mm-hmm. I'm not black I'm you know I'm brownish maybe but mm-hmm. but I just thought that was a nickname you know I just thought like it's like soccer players have nicknames and I'm and so I'm blacky you know uh, but mm-hmm. it, so it really hit when the hostage crisis happened what was this moment where you found out you were different because others were pointing it out
5: you know, I think it was probably like kindergarten because we don't we don't know we're different. You know, we're just kids. Yeah, we're playing. We love the same things. We want to ride bicycles and climb trees and and play in our imaginary forts. And you know, like we just want to be children and we want to live in our imaginations. Um, but uh, my sister, who's a, a little older than me, probably four years or so, she kind of. I think was very protective and felt a lot of the, the the looks or whatever it might've been. She probably felt different earlier than I did. But I just remember having some rocks kind of chucked our way and telling us to go back to our country. And I was like, what? And again, when I moved into Virginia, it was very white and it was Mm -hmm. very blonde and it was all American. And we were probably, you know, one of two or three ethnic minorities um, in the town of Vienna at the time. And so it was a real kind of culture shock for the town, Mm. not for us. (laughs) You know, I wasn't aware of it, but it was for the town. And so in those moments, I kind of started to know that that that's when, even though I didn't feel like I was different, I was going to be made aware that I was different. And that just kind of carried on through middle school and, and even through junior high, I was just, you know, telling my partner that, you know, uh, I remember I like, had a crush on a boy and um, some older kid walked by and called me Saguchi. And it was like, a nickname that he had for my sister because he couldn't say her name, Soraya Ganizada. So he called her Saguchi. And he's like, hey, it's little Saguchi. Like, and he like just made fun of me in some way that the boy then stopped spent like hanging out with me. Oh. And I just was so embarrassed. Right. And I know that sounds so silly, right? But it's the thing that when people are like, Well, you're 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 attractive and things must be easy for you. And and I'm like, I I never saw you have to understand I was never made aware of that until I was in my, you know, late teens, early 20s. That wasn't the way that I was treated.
0: As I was learning about you and researching, I, I'm not sure if I have this right. I read somewhere or I heard somewhere when you were a kid, I have this 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 sweet impression of you and also a testament to this empowerment that you seem to have had from a very young age which i I, i'm not sure where it comes from but if i have this right when you were a kid you learned english and you would speak to your mom in farsi and Dari and help her navigate this world in this small town vienna outside of washington dc uh in virginia um can you tell me about that
5: yeah i mean i i think a lot of people you know with immigrant parents might have done that but You know, my Farsi and my Dari isn't as great as it could be because I spoke English um, to my mom, so she would learn it. And I just remember watching her get frustrated and people kind of talking down to her. And these would be like, you know, administrators or police officers or whomever it was. And so then I would kind of speak the English and kind of get in there. And this was very young and in some weird sense it kind of made me a parentified child like i felt like i had to protect and look at look after my mother mm. because people were speaking to her with respect because english was her fifth language mm. <laughs> and i then kind of took on the crux of making sure that we were respected and you're you know, you're, you're that, like 5 like, we at we this understood. time right or- yeah very little like first i mean like i was the one that spoke and to, to the school teachers I was the one that created the plans around my future and what I was going to study and like well I was going to do this after school program you know and so I kind of took on those responsibilities pretty early on one to protect my family but two also because I needed to because nobody else was really doing it for me
0: that's a lot for a little kid
5: yeah, it was a lot for a little kid. I can't wait to be a little kid one day. <laughs> That's probably why I'm an actor. <laughs> right,
0: right, right.
5: You know, you've you've I'm talked like, about
0: the the power of of. I mean, you did a, a TEDx talk uh, that included this uh, that the power of pop culture and television and helping you to assimilate into the West, helping you to understand the West, helping you to 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 learn the the social culture and 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 helping you fall in love with the West, but. You were also not seeing, I'm guessing, any examples of you when you would look at the screen, right?
5: No, not at all. I mean, you know, I definitely saw some stuff in the Cosby show um, or different world like Lisa Bonet. I really liked um, Blazing Saddles. It was on with commercials on like the UPN on Saturdays. Um, because of the racism that was navigated in that that film and it I felt like I understood what they were going through and that they could laugh at it I could laugh at it Mm. you know but the culture you know the glamour and the culture of America through tv was everything for me and it was also a time when my family didn't really fight And things didn't feel that far away from us. And so I really loved everything about TV. I could tell you when the commercial breaks were going to come on and how (laughs) long they were. Like I was obsessed. Um, And I would start to give my Emmy speech. I think when I was in the sixth grade, seventh grade. Wow. I was just determined that I was going to win an Emmy. And you know, I had this big dream of being on. Like, my mom was obsessed with Dynasty in Dallas when I was little, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you know, I just always hotbed of you know,
0: Afghan and uh, Iranian casting Dynasty and Dallas, oh, yeah.
5: And that, and nobody, you know, like nobody looked like us.
0: <laughs> zero. Really, we had no zero. chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: no, nobody, and and also, I, you know, and I say this, and some of sometimes I'm like, I wonder if there was someone that just like was um, like Americanized themselves you know yeah. I always think that I'm like you know I always say oh yeah you know there aren't but I'm like what if there was well there were certain like- there were
0: certain people like I, I remember Ralph Macchio you know the karate kid like he he, yes. he he was around my like he was this kid and and and, uh, and I, I remember thinking maybe he's like Iranian or something and he's made himself like he calls himself Ralph Macchio because he kind of had olive skin and you know I don't know what his background is maybe he's Italian yeah. or something but uh, but but I don't think he I was think, I think he's probably
5: Italian yeah probably um, yeah yeah but it Exactly. Any brown person, you you were clinging on to them to find out if they were anything like you. Are they close to you? Well, that kind of looks like me. And I just didn't see it. You know, it just wasn't available. Um, and there was even very limited African-American, you know, representation that. But, you know, I, I connected more to some of the, you know, black television shows that I saw and that stuff because... I felt like they navigated and dealt with issues that I could understand. And who's the boss? Because Alyssa Milano was also kind of brown, and I was like, "Well, she's kind of ethnic," <laughs> which is what Hollywood thinks too. <laughs>
0: Honestly, when we had um, Tehran, who's a, a a black Iranian comedian, and ben Afshaf Akhlaghi on last month talking about how how the Black Lives Matter movement in the states relates to us, how we're part of it, you know, um, I, I was thinking back to the fact that yeah, I I was enamored of Spike Lee films. You know, when I saw Do the Right Thing. I, I kept thinking this this is about me. And it it was yeah. a strange thing to tell people cuz they'd sort of go, "Well, you're not a black kid in Brooklyn. You know what do you right. what do you, what do you mean?" <laughs> and it was like, "No, this is my experience." It really resonated way more mm-hmm. than watching Brad Pittwood, right? I mean, it's exactly yes. what you're talking about. One yeah. of the things that you you do though in in uh, from what I understand as a kid to or, or coming up, growing up in your teens, et cetera, to deal with being the ethnic kid or the ethnic family in your community in Virginia uh, is that you become an overachiever. You 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 <laughs> enter everything, you win every award, you do everything. This is, I'm guessing, an attempt to comp- to compensate or, or mask feeling like you didn't fit in, uh, and not to be too psychological, but would you say that that's what you're doing?
5: I definitely think that all um, persons from our part of the world um, it's an immigrant mentality that we are achieve o- achievement-oriented. We feel like if we achieve enough, if we change the narrative, if we change the story, then we're good enough. You know, relaxation isn't a big part of our, <laughs> we're like, who relaxes? When is there a time to relax? <laughs> like, right. You know, it's just kind of like, well, what's next? And what can I do? And, and what kind of achievements can I create so that I can then, one, fill that gaping hole of like, Oh, okay, I do belong here. In fact, I'm just as good as you, if not better. And two, it's to, you know, be the next generation for my family to create a legacy and a change so that they didn't leave everything behind for no reason, you know, to make them proud so that they have something and some pride so that it wasn't all for nothing. And so I think that we all kind of carry that guilt and that responsibility on our shoulder to make our family proud and i'm glad that i can do it with my name intact you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. i want to do it as a khanizada and you know continue to kind of open doors for other khanizadas or Jahanpors or whatever it is so that they can also do it in the way that they want to do it.
0: But you, you didn't do that without uh, at first uh, dealing with some resistance from the family. I mentioned some challenges that you had. One being a um, a political refugee, but then the other being that you grew up in what you call an extremely conservative family. What 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 does that mean? Extremely conservative.
5: You know, my family was definitely more on my mom's side. Very uh, religious. Very culturally. Um, controlling, and I think that that's something still that the Afghan community navigates, and I can't speak for the Iranian community ex- per se. I do know that there's a good amount of Iranians in the arts, which is incredible. And I'm looking forward to the day when there's more Afghans in the arts. But, you know, being an artist, when I was little, created Sharm, you know, for your name. You would bring shame to your family because that wasn't a real profession. And as a girl, if you were to, if they were to think you were going to become an actress, then that meant you would be close to boys. Mm. And if you were going to be close to boys, then that meant that people would think that you were, of course, doing things with those boys. And being an actress basically meant you were selling yourself. And so no matter which way you looked at it, it was a shameful career and it wasn't something that they took seriously at all and wanting to be an actress wasn't even something I spoke out loud we weren't allowed to do things after school unless they were related to the academics and I didn't even like I mean I probably took theater in the seventh and eighth grade and a little bit in high school but I wasn't allowed to do plays after school And so, I wasn't even someone who was able to start studying acting properly until I was 21. Um, And so, you know, kind of breaking free and breaking that cultural repression, um, oppression, I should say, from my family was me saying, I'm doing this and I'm going to walk away Mm. from you guys and I'm going to pack this bag and I'm going to show up in Hollywood and I don't really need anyone's permission and I'll sustain myself and I'll work five jobs. Um, And I did. (laughs)
0: And how did that go with the family?
5: It wasn't great. Not in the beginning. Um, Obviously there's that shock and awe. I don't know how it was for you, but you know, when you move away from home, like especially when you're a girl, the parents are like, Oh my God. You know, what's gonna happen to her? <laughs> <Of course, laughs> Something's going yeah, to steal yeah. her, it's going to be too hot. She might get sick. <laughs> you know, just how's she gonna eat?
0: Different- Mom, I, yeah. I have food. No, you don't have food.
5: No, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Like I mean, I wish it was just not she's gonna eat. They're like she's going to be stolen and like kidnapped <laughs> and like,
0: stolen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They
5: they were just more, you know, extreme in right, their fears. Right, right, right. Um so, you know, it it didn't go over well. And I would probably say it it i didn't care and i know that that's a really kind of blunt way to put it cuz a lot of people ask me how i was able to even enter the arts coming from the background that i had and my family's you know very muslim and you know that was something that they all saw as like you know a hindrance to becoming an actress and and i was like honestly i did this for me and i gave them the first 17 years of my life
0: well by the way i did
5: everything that i could 20 to, 21 to years them. old
0: is not uh, it, it is young for a Middle Eastern uh, woman to leave the family, but but it's not young as a as somebody who's aspiring to be an actor. I mean, you. you no,
5: I left home when I was seventeen. Oh,
0: ah, okay.
5: I yes, I went to university and then I showed up to Hollywood when I was almost twenty-one. But did you go? What so, did you go to
0: university for?
5: I went to Virginia Tech. I studied English and communications. I thought I was going to become Christiane Amanpour. Okay. I felt like that I could do the journalist and that, that, that do the, go the journalist route, and that would satiate my family's. And I'm guessing
0: that probably was more acceptable than I'm going to go to Hollywood and be an actress four years later, right? Yes. Yeah.
5: Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, kind of, uh, you know, graduating, I knew that that wasn't my dream. And being in Hollywood was the dream. And I was going to give that dream to myself. And if I failed miserably at it, then at least I failed miserably on my own terms. And it was going to be my choice because it's my life at the end of the day. Mm. And that was very clear to me. And so there was a little bit of a break um, from even just having that kind of responsibility and duty to family. Uh, I had a responsibility and duty to myself. And ultimately I've serviced my family and the culture, you know, the culture didn't want me to do it either. <laughs> and there was a big part of backlash, you know, a lot of online hate when Alphas came out, a lot of people saying that I was a whore. And to you, stop mean, saying, you mean I was...
0: Afghan people saying that? Mm-hmm.
5: Oh. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of online oh. hate, um, death threats, rape threats. And it was not comfortable. Because it why? Because, I, you,
0: because you... Because Well, mean, they, I think
5: there's like a scene in Alphas where like I kiss one of the female co-stars and oh, it was right. like, you know, how dare you? Um, me taking agency over myself and my body is not something that people want and a big part of our culture.
0: But isn't it also true that, I mean, once... You become a success, which I would think you are now, or seen that way, that the culture then comes around and and celebrates you. And uh, which is that it's a dichotomy because, you know, they've done everything they can to prevent you from (laughs) becoming successful. But once you get there, it's like, we always knew she's our star, you know, or or
5: whatever, right? A million times, yes. Yeah. love to tell this so i was on an episode of castle and i played a dominatrix and it's such a fun episode of television and i loved the part and my mom watched it and she called everybody she knew (laughs) and she was like ozita is on abc tonight (laughs) on castle and she looks so pretty and i'm like mom i'm playing a dominatrix she's like i don't care your makeup was so nice (laughs) yeah I'm that's, like, wow, that's, a yeah, big, that's a big that's a big
3: one
5: yeah that's a big one and my makeup was my makeup looked good so it was okay <laughs> that I was a dominatrix she didn't care she thought it was funny you know she got a good chuckle out of it and she appreciated it but you know that wasn't that wasn't the route the first you know several years before I started working and then now it's just like now through the highest level of of government you know I'm speaking to uh, you know afghans and they're all so proud and so it's wonderful but it was a journey to get to that
0: no i mean now it's like my daughter she's done a ted talk i mean that's like you know you're your are you now but when did you i mean let's let's now work back to your advocacy work and 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 conscious casting etc when when did it so you go to la you're in your 20s When did it become clear to you that you're not going to have the opportunities that a a Western white woman or, or man, obviously, for that matter, might have in Hollywood? Or did you just always know that? I mean, when did it become real granular to you?
5: It it didn't become so real to me because right away I started to read for really big films, like Disney films, because I was exotic. You know, like I looked like a princess from another world or I looked like some sort of an alien creature. You know, I was not the typical looking girl. So I got some, I got like pretty big things, you know, out the bat. And it was very interesting. And it was when... I think probably let's see I kind of was working steadily there was a writers strike in 2007 or 8 I got night shift the the prime General, time soap. So, so I took yeah. that during the like the strike and it was just after and then I started working kind of consistently and 2009 I did a TV show with Sam Shepard and Carrie Elway's from the Princess Bride and um and then I did alphas the pilot and then it got picked up and it was coming out of alphas around 2013 which i kind of realized there was a big like there was a big hole for me it was actually yeah, yeah i mean that was like a pretty pretty big hole now going way back to when i first first started like in the very beginning i'd say like 2004 there was like a You know managers I would meet were really confused with what to do with me well you don't who are you are you Eva Mende is she J-Lo like there's only one J-Lo like can you be Latin (laughs) can we like change your name to something Latin but you kind of look European like we could just make you a brunette you know there was like this big you know what do you what do we do with you there's no one like you and so It was more from the, you know, the casting world was kind of like open, would stay open to me and try to find places for me. But it was my representatives and the agency and the town that wanted to shift me. They wanted me to become more easily castable. They're like, well, you're going to get your chance at one or two things. But how do we get you a chance at 200 things? And that was kind of the difference. It's like, did I want to take my chance at these one or two really big things? Or did I just want to be able to like get out there for hundreds of things? Mm And I didn't know what the right choice was. You know, could I, did I want to have more castings and be more accessible and, you know, be ambiguous in a way that really kind of, you know, led people away from culturally identifying me? But I didn't want to do that. And, you know, I had kind of gone come to Los Angeles, like, you know, all of like 9-11 and everything else. And like, I was very identifiable as Afghan during that period and so when i was kind of really taking off as an actor and they were like well do we change you do we shift you and do we not i felt like there was a responsibility Mm -hmm. to not turn my back on my identity especially because of 9-11
0: you don't want to just become a hispanic actor because you can get the gigs yeah yeah
5: i didn't want to become you know madison gates because i could kind of maybe be ambiguous or something and then just be like oh i'm i'm italian and part afghan you know (laughs) like whatever it is and just kind of make up wherever i'm from to get the job which by the way a lot of people have done and more power and and really that would have worked
0: i mean is it really that uh ridiculous i mean that if you changed your name and said i'm italian that 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 you would be cast in ways i mean you still look like you and you still have the same amount of talent would it really have made a difference
5: we don't know. I mean, it's a sliding doors thing, you know? Uh, I, you know, I have no idea. I think it would have made the journey less tumultuous at times. For sure.
0: And the name, to not for have sure. to yeah.
5: walk with my cultural identity stamped on me all the time, right. to not have to walk into every room and explain to people what 9 11 was would have been a great way to actually just get into the room and act instead of have to sit down and talk to people for 20 minutes right about and, and even saying your Afga- <laughs> yeah, right
0: even saying Afghanistan I'm guessing cuz it, this it's not that different from being Iranian but maybe even worse after 9/11 in the sense that then it's like oh the place where there's the war and the it, what do you think of uh, uh, you know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what happened in yes. 9/11 I guess, oh, like you have to deal po- with all these questions poor- right
5: yes oh my god oh your poor people and what they do to the women and what do you think of the taliban and have you guys dealt with any terrorists and like oh do the women look like you i'll sign up for the war that was the statement um (laughs) you know just kind of very oh or women from your part of the world don't look like you. I'm like, have you seen women from my part of the world? (laughs) You're like, what are you talking about? Like, your malnourished, like, Google images of people suffering from war is not representative of the beauty and diversity of our cultures. I think it was. So, I think it was
0: uh, actually Navid Negahban uh, on our show a, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, who was saying a few, maybe a month ago, he was on. He, I think he said he was it. Navid. He said that he didn't get a role because they said, yeah, it was him. He said that they said you're not You don't look Iranian enough. He said, yes. "But I'm. I grew up in. I'm Iranian. You know. I'm from Mashhad. And it was like, no, you don't quite have the look. You know. You don't look Iranian. Oh
5: my! We're, nobody is more Iranian than Navid. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like right. Navid is like a walking like poster for Iran. Like not in, enough. On a, on a not flourish. enough to get
0: cast. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah.
5: I've never played an Afghan ever. Hmm. Like, I mean, yes, they'll like been hired for a part that was traditionally Afghan or traditionally Iranian or whatever. Usually what happens is they have the part and then I'm like, well, this is where I'm from. Like, these are these are my cultural identities. Like, you know, I'm from Afghanistan. I, you know, we were in Iran when I was a baby. I like can speak Farsi and, you know, Dari. My mother grew up in India. Like we can play in that region of the world but I'd like to be culturally from my part of the world. Do you know what I mean? Like if I can change her name you know, in the film I have coming out next year called kill Rose here, she was written as Sarah Gomez and it was an offer. And when I got the film, it was still Sarah Gomez. And so I spoke to Kevin Smith, the director and his producer, Andy McElfresh. And I said, you know, what's when I got there, I was like, what's really cool is that you guys have got me someone who's never represented on films. Can we change her name to something more reflective of culture? And they're like, okay, well maybe you like give us some options. And I was like, Well, can we say Sarah Sadiq, which is, I think it's either, I think it might be Pakistani or or Afghan, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's in that world, you know, and they're like, well, let's see if we can get it approved. And they're like, sure. So now in the film, it's like Sarah Sadiq, will you marry me?
0: But but sometimes like, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I, I was just watching you rewatching because I'm a fan of the show, so I rewatched your episodes. But you and Ballers, you're you play a, a radio producer or a radio exec at one point, and it kind of doesn't matter where you're from. I mean, in that case, you're uh, in fact you have a sort of empowered role in that one, right?
5: Yeah, but you know, but it, originally she was written as Jan, and so we, ch- you know, the producers. Steve Levinson, he changed it to Safia kind of right away when they hired me, just in the script and then just in the credits okay. and whatnot. And if it was going to come up, like if we had the opportunity, it was the last season. And so their episodes were already written, but they were like, if we had the opportunity to bring you back, we could have done more, you know, more at the radio station with you and John David. And then if Safia would have come up, it would have come up. And so that's part of the goal is that I don't I'm not on screen as Jan, that I'm on screen as Safia and that I'm not on screen as Sarah, you know, Gomez. I'm on screen as Sarah Sadiq because naming is so important. If we can then start to like layer in these names into the culture so then people aren't so shocked when they hear a Sadiq or they hear a Safia, it doesn't surprise them. If they hear a Ghanizada, if they hear it 10 times, then it becomes normal. This might be a weird question,
0: but does it? make a difference to you in your acting if your name is gomez or, or at the character's name or, or no or, no it's this is a, you could act you could you know you could do the sarah gomez part
5: if if and, and honestly if i'm not a big part of the show if it's just like me coming in and it's just you know i'm it's the, a job so that i can pay my mortgage you know it's just like okay cool and her name is like olivia like i'm not gonna go well i can't play olivia you know what i mean like it's just like yeah it's fine this isn't my this isn't my battle to fight it's how dare you call me olivia
3: (laughs) exactly
5: not every single thing has to be that important or or a fight but when i can and i have the opportunity it's about uh, also teaching the producers and the creators to write a character like safia do you know what i mean because they think of jan so why not think of sapphire right Safia?
0: right right so let me let me ask you because you are i get to ask you this question uh, uh, because you're in it you're in the you're 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 appearing on big shows you know these people you know how it works in hollywood you've been there for 15 years or longer I've talked a lot about a film called Not Without My Daughter on this show. It's a film that I consider terribly offensive and was the impetus for for my coming out ethnically when I started university and that film came out because I, I realized that Iranians were being portrayed so horribly. And that film famously does not employ any Persian actors or, you know, close to zero. The lead male, supposedly an Iranian doctor, is played by the English actor of Spanish descent, Alfred Molina. But... And you could sort of say, okay, well, that was the 90s and people are more conscious now. And yet Prince of Persia, I mean, it's called Prince of Persia, was made in 2010 and and Jake Gyllenhaal was the Persian. So is it really that hard for Hollywood to find us and, and cast actual Iranians? What is the disconnect there?
5: So it's so funny. I mean, I bring up Prince of Persia because that film bombed in the United States. And I think that what people learn through those big mistakes is that people want authenticity. Nobody looks at Jake Gyllenhaal and thinks, wow, he's the Prince of Persia. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, no, nobody, nobody is thinking that. So, um, Know what's going on outside. Not, not even uh, the kid
0: who's uh, screaming there, there behind you uh, yeah, agrees that, that Jake is, Gyllenhaal yes, is he, not. He, yeah.
5: He's like, he got upset <laughs> that Jake Gyllenhaal was the Prince of Persia. Right. But, um, you know, kind of having those finding. So w- what it is, is, at the end of the day, it's dollars and cents. And it's still happening. Alfred Molina just played an Afghan warlord or something in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. So the onus somehow. Alfred you know, Molina,
0: Al- he's, he's, he's on a streak.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've got a part
0: he's. to play if you got a middle eastern role to play alfred will take the role yeah
5: yeah Yeah. great actor by the way but yeah yeah terrific (laughs) oh my god he's a terrific actor Um, but let's get tony shalhoub you know what i mean like or find the next tony shalhoub Um, but you know so basically with with something like the prince of persia when it doesn't do well stateside then you start to learn that people actually want authentic representation and kind of post you know and, and FYI Tina Fey did Whiskey Tango Foxtrot so Tina Fey should right, have known better right, because right, she's such an advocate right. and so it's like well, really John Stewart John Stewart
0: did Rosewater and cast uh, John Stewart Gail Garcia Marnell uh, in the lead role instead of uh, an Iranian yeah
5: and that's because our community is so invisible and there's nobody speaking out against these kinds of things it's very rare that our community kind of does a op-ed or a thought piece or write something right. in the Hollywood Reporter right. and says you know this is discriminatory, and we need representation right. because there are better actors, and so it's just. So really we bad. are
0: when it comes to Mina, you and what you're representing. We are particularly behind. It's not just that conscious casting happens in general. We are. I mean, you you cannot imagine you know you know Russell Crowe being cast as Black Panther, you know,
5: right? No, but
0: but it, it, but you can. But not. alfred Molina can be the Afghan or the Iranian. So we're still. And so yeah. it's
5: just you know, and it's gone on forever. Like here's an example I love to give. And uh, the film, ca- the book Captain, um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right? Captain Nemo, you know who Captain Nemo is. Sure. He is I- Indian in the book. Oh. But he's Michael Caine, right? We don't know. So throughout history, we have lost our own heroes. Our own fictional heroes and mm. our own characters have been whitewashed. Right. And we just don't even know to the scope of how much and so when people are like oh how do you feel that like Idris Elba played like a Norse god I'm like thank god it's a mythical you know like a mythical place and until there's parody until there's parody I'm okay with Dev Patel playing whatever the magician was that he played who was like a white man you know in that space like that's we need a little bit of parody in some of these spaces but the truth is is that With things like 2010 and Jake Gyllenhaal and the way that the box office did not, the people in the United States did not show up for that box office. That is messaging to Hollywood. And so in the last four or five years, and especially for the media community since we got the category and I've been out there pushing the fact that we have a category and we can be cast in these things and we need to be counted and this is what our representation is like. People are really trying to live up to casting more Middle Eastern and North African performers and things. And so when we get little wins in the box office, we end up becoming castable like priorities. Rami Malik, right? Yeah, Yeah. Played Freddie Mercury, Bohemian Rhapsody. So we've got a Mina performer who did a biopic film. That one film, that one Mina performer, led the box office in 2019 i think he made 900 million dollars right so it was the biggest grossing film so with one mina performer and that was the one we had in all the films
0: (laughs) yeah and he's brilliant He made yeah
5: the most money out of all of the films
0: so azita you've said you you have never played and you won't play a terrorist or a refugee, and I think a lot of folks will be really gratified to hear this, but just walk through it for us, why?
5: Well, I have not yet played a terrorist or a refugee, and that's not to say never. You know, I I think if there's an excellent role and it's something that I'm like, you know what, this is something I really wanna play, I feel they see the humanity in it, I will do it, great. But to this day, nothing has felt anything more than gratuitous. Even being a part of the storyline, has felt gratuitous to me in one way or the other. And so I have not done that. Do I think that everyone in the community should do that? No. I think that actors will take work because they have to take work. And I think it's important for them to take those stepping stones. The black community is a wonderful example of this, Gian. Boys in the Hood was a film about gangbangers, you know? Yeah. And John Singleton made this film, and we have incredible actors yeah. and a filmmaker that came out of a film that could be considered exploitative, right? And so, but had they not done this film and played into this stereotype that we want to work, you know, black Americans away from, we want to get the, uh, you know, we want more Wakandas, we want more heroes, we want more Idris Elbos, we want more black James Bond. However, we needed to have a breakout film like this that touched upon a, a conversation in society in that given moment that was incredibly important
0: but you do get and but, but as say, I'm sorry to get to cut you off but you do get um you get applause for saying I don't play a terrorist and it is laudable for you and others like Maz Jabrani I've said that too that you stand up and say I don't want to be cast as some stereotypical terrorist and perpetuate those images but uh, you know we mentioned Nabi Negabon earlier the guy's getting a lot of air time here but 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 you know <laughs> f- f- he was on and, and and first of all he makes the case that when he's playing someone like Abu Naziri in Homeland he makes an effort to show that these people are not cardboard cutouts bad guys but are nuanced humans but second Secondly, you know, I was pushing him on this. And then at some point I thought, this is a guy who went through a terrorizing obstacle course of events to even get to the West. He lived in a right. car for his first six months in, in America. He's hustled all his life to be able to get work. He's done a million jobs, driving a cab, you know, working uh, as a salesman, doing whatever he can. Why am I giving him the gears <laughs> for playing a terrorist, you know, for getting a job? I mean, it's so, so I, I but, felt but sort of bittersweet you know, the, sweet about that. Go ahead.
5: John, if Navid didn't play Abu Nazir, he wouldn't have gotten the next role because he wouldn't have gotten that kind of attention. And so just like I said, had, you know, we not had those incredible actors in Boys in the Hood, we wouldn't have seen them in the next 10 films that they did or launched their careers in that way. And so we can't we don't we don't hear the black community going back to them and saying, "How dare you have played a gang banger in Boys in the Hood? You know, you're hurting our you know, it's because there's so little representation for us. Yes. So little.
0: Yeah. But that we don't want to only be feels in those roles. So yeah.
5: important. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. However, an actor has to be able to break through the the that bottom, that low hanging fruit. He's gotta break through that, that role in order to get the next job and then to get the film and then for him to get Aladdin. You know, had he not been Abu Nazir, he wouldn't have gotten a it. Right,
0: right. He did not have known
5: who he was. It was, a, it was a part of breaking through in the business. And so even though for me, and I, I won't say never, I to this day have never done it. And I take great pride in that. You know, it's something that when I read it, I go, this just doesn't feel right for me. It's not right for me. So it
0: has been offered to you to play some sort of terrorist. Oh, yes. Terrorist All story.
5: the time. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many times. And I think... Probably, and by the way, they're very fun roles to play. They're seductive, they're tough, they're layered, you know, they're com- they're complex when you're like a female terrorist leader, like, you know, they're writing it, they're sassy, you know, there's a, it's, they're not something to turn your nose up, and it's money, and there's plenty of people that are working in those, those, that have taken some of those jobs and then gone on to star in their own show, which doesn't have anything to do with that Mm. you know and so they did get some positive exposure so maybe if I had said yes let's go for it let's play this maybe I'd be even further along in my career and be able to open up more doors for more people like me so I'm not saying that it's right I'm just saying for me it has not been the right path thus far and if it if something presents itself and I'm like you know what I think this is I want to do this because one I want to discuss this or two this is an important conversation that I need to have after this film comes out that will give me a platform to speak more eloquently on these kinds of subjects to a much larger audience let's do it you know whatever it might be if like the puzzle pieces work then fine but for now no but I don't hold it against anybody in our community I've had young actors cry telling me that that's all they get and that's you know they have they have to get a job and they have to feed their family and I'm like do not cry well we'll, i'm working hard to change the business so that you have more opportunities but if you get that job then at least you have credits and Mm -hmm. you'll have a name and you'll have you know what i mean like and it'll get you the next job like it's okay and so i just want to make sure that the community kind of creates some openness and some space to say everybody's got to start somewhere and if this is the unfortunate low-hanging fruit that we have to fight through in order to get the next job so that we can then become Oscar Isaac so that we can then get to you know I mean you know even though it was a brilliant part I mean Riz Ahmed and and what's that what was it called then the night of
0: oh the night of yeah yeah yeah, yeah you it's know amazing.
5: terrific yeah. film yeah. but you know the, the whole thing they're like trying to figure out if he's like this murderer you know what I mean like right. <laughs> Complicate, you know like everybody's like it's got to be him like it's a you know he's a terrorist you know what i mean like he's like playing this this in this whole thing and it's so complicated and heavy and layered and you know that's a very complex role and even though it wasn't exactly a terrorist it definitely leaned into no, that. No but it
0: is a nuanced role I think that's where mm-hmm. the what Navid was saying really applies it, it, I would prefer that than just a, a sort of faceless you, you know I mean God love uh, Michael J. Fox and my my 80s pop culture you know uh, back to the future but you know when the Libyans appear which are just a couple of crazy looking bearded guys you know and with machine guns and try and shoot at, at, uh, at, at you know uh, the Little Marty, or whatever his name was, a statement in uh, in Back to the Future at Michael J. Fox. They're just faceless bad guys who happen to be 100%. called Libyans, right? That's what we want to avoid. And uh, so, um, listen. I, by the way, thank you so much. You're so gracious. In this into, is so like, great. The, the time you're giving us narrative
5: is, of where we are right now.
0: Right. Uh, what? I I I I'll, I won't keep you forever. I promise. I just a couple more questions. I watched this. Uh, feature film that you had a starring role in complete unknown in preparing for this interview and and it's a it's a mystery starring Rachel Weiss and uh, and you and you and, and you, you're fantastic in it and you speak Persian or Dari in the film what was a little funny was that you I mean Azita is essentially you're essentially an American kid I mean you've spent your whole life in the states but you had to be a Middle Eastern person with an accent in this film Which was good. It was a respectful role. But do you find it ironic that one of the biggest roles you've gotten requires you to speak English with an accent?
5: Um, Actually, it's probably only the second or third time that I've gotten to do it. And I loved doing it, to be honest with you. It was escapism to me, away from what I've, you know, I've probably done 60 episodes of television where I've never had an accent. And to be able to play in the movies with a new voice was thrilling. Hmm. It changed the way I moved. It honored the character's history a bit. It honored her journey with her husband, played by Michael Shannon, in the film, and the way that she couldn't communicate her needs and how frustrating that was for her in the way that he always understood them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the accent actually, to me, was a great tool, and I would love to work in them all the time. I just did a kind of low-key British, Middle Eastern accent in another film um, called We Broke Up. And I absolutely loved it because, again, it it made my shoulders a little different. And it definitely feeds into the creative aspect of storytelling. Now, it was, again, a nuanced leading role with an incredible cast that had nothing to do with terrorism or, you know... Political, geopolitical issues or anything along those lines it was a bit of a romantic story and so I didn't feel like there was anything working against me and working with the accent I adore it and I love it and so I, I'm, I'm more of that in fact if I could speak in an accent more I would do it
0: <laughs> just thinking
5: because <laughs> it's also part of that getting away from being Azita, and getting away from being...
0: That's why you went this. into acting. You wanted to at least get to act.
5: Yeah, I want to get to act, yeah. and I want to also dive into that experience of a woman who's 10 years into the country, or 15 years into the United States, and is still finding her way. I want to know that person. I, I, I knew her when I was little. You know, and so there's a part of her that still lives in me, and there's a part of her that's my mother, and there's a part of her that's my aunt. And so that's those are the gifts that i'm given in my makeup to be creative and i'm not going to deny those parts of myself so long as they're not harming anything there's not there's nothing in there that i wouldn't want to play
0: so before i let you go let's come full circle back to where we started and um the mina category and and recognition and representation and uh, you know, there is a paradoxical issue we seem to face when wanting recognition as a, as a minority when it comes to people of Middle Eastern background uh, and the, the MENA category. Uh, on the one hand, uh, sometimes others don't always claim to see us as minorities, you know. And then to add to that complicated vortex, some members of our own community, as we intimated early, earlier in this chat, push back against us being seen as a minority. Uh, you know when we had this program uh, a month or two ago on, on this show about dealing with us being more visible as a minority i i used the term a few times people of color and the pushback that we got i mean literally thumbs down on youtube like people angry like we're not people of color <laughs> you know we're white people like uh it was so profound and it was like guys no one else is going to treat us as a minority and recognize that we are a if we don't see ourselves that way. So have you had to deal with that from from other Afghans or from Iranians? And what is what do you say to them?
5: I mean, I've definitely navigated that with Iranians in the business um, here in Hollywood that are like, but we are white. And I'm like, oh, no, that's some ingrained racism within yourself that needs to kind of be rooted out. Um We have to recognize that Being you know, and and it's so it's so layered John because in order for us to have received citizenship You know 50 years ago our skin had to be a certain color of white if we were from that part of the world If we were too brown then our citizenship was denied in the United States so it's the coloring that was really important that we were white enough to receive our citizenship. So we were white. And then there was pride in being white enough to be American and to be accepted by the United States. And so I think that there's that, again, that deep-seated shame and pain that pulls us away from our true, full identity and our authentic selves. And, um, And so... That, I think, what ends up happening is is if we start to go more towards the fact that we are special, you know what I mean? That we are considered other, that we are different in other people's eyes, and that that's a beautiful thing, and that that uniqueness allows us to create texture and layers into every room we walk into, then that's kind of the gift and the journey towards Mm. where we have to come full circle as diaspora in the United States, in North America, in England. You know, that we aren't white, but that we are of our own identities and cultures and we provide rich traditions into the United States space. But we are other and people see us as other and we need to start being proud of the fact that we're people of color.
0: This is a lot you've taken on when it comes to your advocacy work and you're, you, you're, you're rightfully getting a lot of attention for it. Is, it. is it usurping your passion these days as you see the, I mean, the path for Azita in the coming um, years? Do, do you see fighting for representation uh, actually becoming more of what you're going to do than, than, than the acting itself?
5: I definitely think I'm in my purpose now mm. more than ever. I think there was a reason why I didn't change my name. I think there's a reason why I showed up to Hollywood having only been on a plane once before, not even owning luggage. Um, I don't think it was so that I became some famous television actress or movie star. I think it was so that I could create this lane. I think I was meant to open these conversations and I truly believe that because it's something that is very seamless and, simple for me to help others navigate the space. And so it is a big passion of mine. And sometimes it does take up all the space and then I don't have room for my actually paying profession (laughs) (laughs) because I do all of this work for free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that because it's in my heart and because I know that when I'm doing this work and I'm providing This new path and opening these doors for the next generation of performers or for older performers or whomever to feel like they have a space that that was part of the purpose of why I ended up here in Hollywood and needed to see myself on television because maybe it wasn't necessarily me, but maybe it's just someone that looks like me.
0: Aziza, this has been uh, energizing. It's been educational. It's been erudite. I, I'm grateful to you and I'm grateful for you. And I thank you so much mm-hmm. for the time you've taken, really.
5: Jan, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to know you and to meet you and to know everything that you're doing for your community. And I'm grateful that you guys had an Afghan on. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> We've had more than one now. Come on. Okay, <laughs> good, good. Thanks for this. Wonderful. Take care and take, be safe and hope to see you soon.
5: Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. That is actress and founder of the MENA Arts Advocacy Coalition, Azita Qanizada. Azita joined us from Los Angeles, California today. <laughs> Thursday, a Rook team has regathered around Azitikhan uh, Izada. I very much enjoyed that. Uh, Captain Reza, Groovy Shaya, the fabulous Kion um, back here in studio. Uh, so, Keon,
2: She was delightful. Very yeah. well spoken. I, I guess I wasn't really expecting that. Um, what were you expecting? I, there's always that. Uh, misconception with actors and actresses that they're not particularly intelligent. I think maybe that's because I was prepared for. You say that because we work
0: with Reza, so <laughs> <Yeah>. that's what <laughs> you're used to.
2: <laughs> but I honestly like I. I appreciate people that do something outside of their profession and outside of their career. The like the work that she's doing through Mina, I think that's so important for our community. We need that differentiation because let's face it, we are different, and I think that's a beautiful thing. So why not embrace it?
0: Uh, she's uh, she was more than just uh, eloquent. She's it's it, she's such an inspirational story. Mm-hmm. She's doing it, and the thing that I loved about it. Um, i'm just processing it all right now but it, she she wasn't complaining simply she was being proactive no. there's no part of that yeah, conversation yeah. we just had that felt like poor me no. poor me she she's representing she's telling of her personal yeah. experience yeah. and she's representing and she's helping and uh that that means so much and i also felt like um i also felt like it didn't there wasn't after the beginning where we joke about it, I didn't feel, I, I almost forgot that she's not Iranian. Mm. You know, like she's yeah, basically, well, her big, it's such a common experience. I mean, obviously the Afghans and Iranians are right. very, very similar, but right. uh, I just assumed. You but know, I mean, Afghan,
2: Iranian, it's kind you think it's the of, same? I mean, it's, Kind of the same, let's face it's it. It's not the
1: same, but it's well, very close. We're from, a, like, Tajiks, uh, Tajikistan. Yeah,
2: we were and all and a part of the same percent. nation Yeah, at but one so was the
0: whole world then. But true. true. Yeah, yeah. We're all Persian. <laughs> we all come from the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah. is Persian. Yeah. Yeah. They are all Persian. <laughs> uh, Mexican, they are Persian. <laughs> Russian, they are Persian. I swear to God, my grandfather <laughs> used to be like...
1: You do know Obama <laughs> Hussein, Hussein Obama Who's from Shakira Iranian, I'm with George Clooney from Isfahan All <laughs>
2: these But I, I actually remember her From that She's on one episode Of Entourage And yes. it was She was so attractive To me In that one episode That I didn't recognize her By her name But as soon as I googled her I was like Oh my god That's yeah. that girl
0: I'm saving so. up Reza here, because I, I invoked your name, Reza, I in, in the interview. Sorry, but can you trim Reza surprised. up a little bit, Shia? Because yeah. I, I didn't actually... Uh, mm. I hope I represented you well, but I know yeah, that you don't necessarily agree with those oh, those Oscar very, uh, yeah, changes. Yeah, no, so, yeah, what yeah. what did you think of Azita? Uh,
1: well, I actually, well, let me put it this way: I love what she's doing, and and what you said in terms of she's not whining and she's really like trying to find a, so be part of a solution and not the problem. And uh, is because I think she's extremely intelligent and dissected the problem very well. She knows what the issue is, the root of the issue. So now she's tr- with Mina and every uh, everything else that she's been a part of, she's trying to essentially uh, help representation in Hollywood. However, that being said, and I completely understand that from an actor's point of view, right? And what you said that uh, I have a, you introduced me as Captain Reza, an actor being part of the show. Uh, and I am, I am an actor. I studied acting first and m- initially and then moved behind the scene. But I primarily consider myself a filmmaker because I made more films than I've been in them and television shows and stuff like that. So the the, the point that I take issue with uh, the new guidelines and rules of uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences is not necessarily the standard A or group A because there are different standards that have been issued. Group A, standard A is amazing. It's fantastic, and especially if you're an actor or an actress. Representation, there's got to be a certain amount of actors of different diverse backgrounds and whatnot. But group B or standard B focuses on behind-the-scene and production tasks, which forces filmmakers, producers, and Mm whatnot to definitely have more than two two departments, heads of departments of of production to be from diverse backgrounds. And And that's that's bad. It is bad, why and I'll tell you bad? why, if huh. especially when you're forced into doing that, and I'll tell you why. I make movies, right? And I've, di- I've directed plenty of films. So, and there d- are DOPs, or director of photographies, for people who may not know, people who are in charge of cameras, and make sure the film looks amazing, that I work with, and I've never worked with a non-white DOP, and I'm specifically speaking in Canada, okay. who I've been happy with. In terms of the quality of their work, <laughs> okay. and that's the reality of it. Oh, are so you, well, here's that, okay, the thing. well that's a this is that's but, your unscientific but, but survey no, no, of no, the no, folks. No, no. That but you can't that can't be dismissed, especially when I'm looking like from from an outside from a point a point of view an audience mm-hmm. that may be a small insignificant factor. But you realize
0: that's always the argument, right? The, the argument will always be, oh, we couldn't cast a, an Iranian guy, we couldn't cast a black guy, we couldn't cast a, 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 a South Asian woman because we couldn't find the one was who. Was as good as this person you know we couldn't yeah. find, mm-hmm. a, and, and the only way we're gonna get in, the, and that's just not true yeah. you know there's how how is it possible that there's billions of brown people mm-hmm. around the world and you can't find one who's good well, at this right? I'll
1: tell you why and think about it I'm not a white person and I'm objecting to this to this of to this course problem. and
0: I appreciate your point of yeah, view yeah and it's
1: simply because for instance uh, there are there are a lot of other obstacles in the way like in Canada for instance we have a certain way of getting funding from government bodies telefilm and whatnot that you can Fund your movies with, for for instance, I would love to work with the editor of Asgar Faradi. Mm. I think she's amazing and incredible, and I looked her up. But I can't. You know why? Why? It's not because, and she's 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 a, she's a minority, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I can't because she's not a Canadian citizen, and I can't get funding okay. if I don't have Canadian citizens. Two, so two, there are okay. different okay. obstacles. Right, so there's the different world.
0: obstacles. So don't know. I don't get two in the yeah. weeds. But that, but all right, I, I I appreciate that. But I also think. You know what you know something that really struck me for example in the, in the interview is when she said uh, um, I, I sort of was questioning her uh, I mean somewhat I was playing devil's advocate of course because uh, I um, as you could tell through the interview I agree with almost everything she's saying but but at some point I say well does it make a difference if the person's name is Siddiqui or Gomez or something like that and she said well yeah it does actually when you go to, you know when the credits roll at the end and you know you see that it normalizes people like us Mm -hmm. being you know Mm -hmm. roles that have been cast you know that was a little citation that's something small that uh, it's not a seismic change but it makes a really big difference those kind of things um are not about i mean the oscars it's it that is a uh, contentious because it's a quota you know and i get where you're coming from yeah. and i knew that yeah. i already know that argument and, and, and i see you know the argument for those who who think it's a great thing but but beyond that these are not huge changes you Mm -hmm. know invite non-white think conceive of the roles as non-white you know possibly right like i mean these are the things she's suggesting that are actually brilliant because they really do make a difference yeah yeah and let me
1: tell you this though you know what's, what was interesting? Because we had, uh, for people who don't know, we're sitting in a studio, and we had Ponta, our graphic designer, who yeah. walked into the studio, to, 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 to the control room, yeah. as we were listening to the interview. She was so captivated by the interview. And she sat down and listened to the whole thing, and I looked over, and she, she had tears in her eyes. Yeah. And that was okay, amazing okay. to me. And she's the here. Ponta's right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All she's right, here. Panta. I want to bring her on and get her okay. opinion. Do
0: you, wanna you come, do to do, do you want oh, to come in? Uh, do you want to come in, Ponta? Yeah. Okay. No. Come on. <laughs> all right. There you go. All right. You, oh, you want oh, to come she, into the no, studio? She no, she's going to use yeah. Shia's yeah, mic. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. So, you, you were listening and you, you liked what you. This is the first time you've listened to almost all the. You've been here since the beginning of the show. Ponta does all the graphics for the show and does uh, 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 b- anything artistic that you see <laughs> with respect to Rook, uh, Ponta does, especially in social media, works with Sarah. Uh, and so, um, Ponta, this is the first time you've actually walked in and wanted to talk about one of the uh, interviews. Um, although I know you've liked some of the other ones too, what is it? What? Why? Why did you feel so strongly about this one?
4: Uh, first of all, hello. Hi. Hi. Um, yes. Uh, the today. Yes. Into the mic. Into, into the, the, the mic. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Today, uh, I um, I decided to come and uh, have a seat here and just listen to the show. Uh, before this interview, I had no idea uh, who is Azita. I had no idea what's uh, her job, but uh, after listening, I was surprised to them.
0: <laughs> you got really surprised. We're too far, big. no, it's we'll fine. We'll <laughs> okay, <laughs> her voice so cute too. <laughs> I
4: love
1: it.
2: Did you get emotional because you relate to her story? Was it? Did it sound familiar to you? Because I yes. know you—you you had quite a journey to get here as well.
4: Yes, um, during the interview, I, I was deeply in her world. Uh, she she is uh, she is a young, strong, Middle Eastern girl, mm. and um, uh, she she fights she fights against uh, her old culture, mm. Mm. like in family in Middle East, you know. Yeah. And in the same time, I found in the same time, she she fights against um, the image uh, of uh, who comes from media, the image of our culture, our life in America or Europe, you know, uh, because media, sometimes some medias are uh, our enemy. Mm,
3: Yeah.
4: And uh, in the same time, she fights by two ways and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and she 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 won. I, yeah, I feel it. But why
1: did you get teared up? You you almost got emotional.
4: It's a hard question, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let me explain something yeah. else, Reza. Uh, I feel no, I, I don't feel. I I, I see uh, people uh, when uh, when uh, people um, are moving outside uh, outside of Iran. They say yes. We uh, we uh, the the half of the city was uh, the under our family name. We was too rich, open-minded family. Blah 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 blah. We call it love dar gorbat. Uh, and uh, people want to hide mo- uh, mostly. Th- they want to hide uh, the negative side yeah. of uh, the the past. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in the life, but uh, she she was really honest mm. yeah and she used this negative side as uh, something for growing yeah and it was awesome uh, and in the same time <laughs> i um myo mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. seriously i love, I love uh, the way uh, then she look at the uh, life i yeah. love it
0: but 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 uh, we've had so uh, uh, to jump on the Reza's question we've had so many different guests on the on the program um, many of whom artists you're an artist uh, uh, many uh, some young women some um, different voices who who've made a journey to the west the way you did and your family did I am curious why Azita in particular had such a profound effect on you you're so right that she's very open about that um, growing up with no no money, or not, you know, uh, not having Barbie dolls, and not and and having to fight through a, a conservative family. And um, can you expand a little bit more? You can do so in Farsi if you want on no. what it was that really affected you about her. Uh,
4: maybe because I'm the fighter too. Mm. Uh, 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 since I um, I a child, I, I try to fight against mullahs, against hijab, against um cloth um some um, some um uh, old no old fashion style mm. in our mm. culture yeah. uh, even um, i can be honest even tattoo i have tattoo and i got this tattoo because i want to say no i want to live how i like mm. even if i don't like tattoos <laughs> mm.
3: Mm.
4: yeah yeah ah. i was child but uh, i want to be honest mm. Um, that's why maybe I find the uh, uh, same point with um, her life because I, I I I I have to say bravo to her hmm. and I I like to be l- uh, like her. <laughs> so
0: did, um, did did Azita have that kind of effect on you, Keon? It's interesting.
2: I listen like I my own personal story I'm not always that open I don't uh, I try to forget the dark and mind you I didn't go through what she did but the whole refugee story and going to school and facing racism and not having toys and lying about um, ha- getting toys every christmas she was so open and honest about that and not just that she took it a few steps further she's taking that and helping others she's giving back to the acting community based on the experience that she had because she knows how hard it is to get these jobs she could be vi- she could be a selfish person she could say no i had to endure all this struggle so why should i help anybody else you know some people think that way mm-hmm. but she's so generous and so thoughtful and um giving to Start this organization And do this So I have a lot of respect Even though
0: Reza Doesn't appreciate it Nope. See? <laughs> no, I totally appreciate I know, it. And I'm still know, impressed
1: by what Ponta said. Yeah. She, like what you just said, I don't even not like tattoo, but I got it as a sign of rebellions, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like that's. It takes oh a God. very
2: brave woman to, to pack her bags at age 17 and just move to Hollywood with the culture that she has. By that the way, is impressive. By
0: the way, Ponta, I mean, we will do this maybe, uh, you know, the, to tell Ponta's story yeah. it would be, uh, as we all know, would <laughs> e- each one of you, us has. Has these stories and and Ponta probably has maybe the most spectacular story of strength. You also you left Iran as a teenager
4: age of of 17
0: as 17 as well and and uh, against the wishes of your family and um you you went to different parts of the world and you got an education and you you made a a life for yourself and and so uh now i'm thinking about it it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. that azita resonated for you Yeah. yeah
2: you also went against your family's wishes too you you came from a very from what i remember at least you had a strict family in
4: some sense no um, no, um, I mean, my family try to keep me mm. uh, with themselves always because mm-hmm. I am the only child. No. I'm no. The <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, I, I try to not be loose mm. and uh, be like, I can be in my own way. I can work, I can live, I
0: you mm. want to be able to uh, Live Understand life And, exactly. and do, do work and, and be your own woman yeah.
4: Independent Yeah, yeah independent uh.
0: Thank you Ponta. <laughs> Thank you Vareza I Marazzo have huge for, for accent.
4: I'm sorry No That no, no, <laughs> was great That was, so was great Good to have you finally
0: uh, We wanted you to come talk on the show Our This fighter. is a good reason Yeah <laughs> uh. Uh, Okay So uh, shall I Give Shia back his microphone Okay, for okay Thanks Panta Thank Bye you. bye Bye <laughs> Uh you so And Thank uh, well, that's uh, full marks there all around for Azita. She's she's that's she's having a profound effect on our she staff. Was a, Let's she hope was a
2: surprise, I think, for, for me, for Ponta. I think from a lot of us. She was great. Yeah, she was, she was so wonderful. Great.
0: All right, everybody's here. It's time, Thursday letter of the week. Z- letters, letters, <laughs> <laughs> letter of the weeks, letters of the week.
2: Okay, so last week on episode 46, we had an, uh, a feature interview with Iranian-American comedian and actor, Mr. Max Amini. Um, on YouTube, we have a Ali Khalili. He wrote, I got a completely different picture of Max Amini after this interview. Very well done, Rook team. Nice. Very nice And uh, Okay So there's no name Listed for this username So nobody give me <laughs> we Slack can't blame for this you. Yeah. All right. Username F-G-K-U-R-I So uh, f g kuri, Let's say uh, Wrote What a beautiful episode Keep up the good work right. Nicely said And then on Instagram Again There's no name Listed here So it's username Mahshid Underscore Sol She wrote This was amazing Thanks for interviewing Max Can you interview the too? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're, we're I like the thanks for interviewing you uh, Max I, what's the correlation between Max and, and Hollywood uh,
2: and, uh, I guess it's maybe it's just she's just
0: a
3: fan it's
2: just,
0: just a, a, fan. Yeah. a fan yeah I really enjoyed your interview with Farid Zalan. can you can,
3: can interview Andy
1: as well
0: <laughs> can you interview yeah. <laughs> no it has yeah. to be, be completely <laughs> yeah. different random yeah. <laughs> um,
2: Goldshift <laughs> is lovely I'm sure yeah, yeah we'd love to, to have well. Gold Shift the yeah, show absolutely 100% All right. As well, last week on episode forty-seven, we had a feature interview with actor, dancer, artist Shahrukh. Mushkin Qalam yes. Shahrukh Mushkin Qalam That's right. <laughs> Tongue twister uh, So we have a lot of people that wrote into that uh, episode which I quite enjoyed myself. Uh, on YouTube we have Hamid Kuchak. He wrote Great interview as usual Shahrukh to me is a multi-dimensional artist. We've seen him perform in theater, dance and recite Rumi poetry masterfully Not only is his work easy on the eyes but also as so pleasing on hearts as well. Beautifully said. Very
1: nice. Uh, you know that goes a long way because I think well, I might be wrong, but is it the same Hamid Kuchak who who's given us the I painting? Ca- I gotta oh. think it's gotta be it's the same gotta Hamid be the Kuchak. Same Kuchak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: so yeah, thank that? you, Hamid, for mm. the piece of art and, and? for <laughs> weighing I, in on the artist. I yeah. didn't
2: even realize that, huh? Uh, hope. And then as well on YouTube, we have, again, username Xerxes the Great. By the way, I love that name, Xerxes. I'm naming my firstborn son that, if I ever have one. Anyway, he says, Dear Jian, stay on course and remain the phoenix that you are. Oh. Very beautiful.
0: Well, given that it's Xerxes the Great <laughs> saying that, I feel like I have to follow that advice. There Thank you are. for that.
2: Uh, and then we have a Amir Rezaei on, on uh, Instagram wrote in quotes Saga <laughs> <"Sage boo." laughs> <laughs> oh, we, <have laughs> we have to
0: set this up hey, we have yeah, to okay, set this okay. up yeah cancel yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we had a, a story last week about. Um, I told a story about my dog Oogie <laughs> yeah. and, and the skunk, which we learned was Rasu in Farsi. And I wasn't sure what the word for skunk was, so I suggested it might be Sagebu. <laughs> that or, makes or, more or, sense. <laughs> sagebu uh, yeah. <laughs> Sagebu <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense than Ross too But uh, anyway, so yeah So then we have Ami Azai That's, uh, what did he say? He says Sagabu, Lol, you guys and Kion Docht Have an excellent sense of humor <laughs> I found out about Rook a couple months ago And was playing the catch-up game Listening to old episodes In brackets he has On Spotify, of course uh, to get a taste of what the future looks like, I, turned, I tuned into the latest episode this morning while I was driving to work. You should have seen the stupid grin that I couldn't, uh, that I couldn't get off my face even for a second when Jian was telling the Rasu story. <laughs> Way to go, Rook team.
3: Nice.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Amir Rezae. Glad you found us. That's, uh, not, that's not the letter of the week?
2: Uh, no, no, but right, it, it right. could have been. It Just could have I'm been.
0: Always checking.
2: Uh, and then we have Sultan BC wrote, weed uh, And of course, he's referring to, <laughs> to Shah Rukh. He, he said he, he, he tried weed for the first time and went on stage. Uh, Sultan goes on by saying, The effects of cannabis are something we need to talk about more in our culture. It's helped me with my PTSD from the war and torture so much. Even the CBD kind that doesn't make you high is not popular. I wrote in Finglish so your crew can read it. By the way, I can read a little Farsi. But yeah, I agree. We should, like, that's something that we do need to make, um, it's such a taboo. Um, t- cannabis in general Like I You know I, I recently opened up To my mom's Is it button. though? Is it, it still? It is It is yeah. with The older generations yeah. Like my parents I only recently said By the way <laughs> I smoke weed Once in a while My mom's like bar <laughs> 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 And Dead I said, on my head <laughs> And I had to explain Listen Like I have Severe Um P, uh, P, i don't want to say it yeah. again but pms every month and the only thing that takes away the pain and really makes really? it a it's yeah, yeah is cannabis i'm oh. telling you it's it's life-changing for me um so yeah i agree it's something that we need to um, educate make people. educate our culture more All right. um, but the young yeah you're right the younger persians i guess it's no big deal no for them but it. it's the older generations <laughs> yeah Uh, We have Zila Ibrahimi, uh, wrote on Instagram. It's
0: Z-H, right? It might might be Zila. Zila. Oh, you're
2: right. Zila.
0: Although my sister's name is Hmm. Zila, and it's just with a J. J. But uh, Z-H is also Z. So Zila. Zila.
2: I think that sounds better, actually, with the Z. Z It's written better, let's say. Uh, Zila Ibrahimi, she wrote, Tazieh. Or what was traditionally called Siavosh Khani... Tazia, sorry. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> Tazia. Tazia. We We're back. <laughs> or what was traditionally <laughs> called <laughs> Siavosh <laughs> Khani was not the only form of theater or performance in Iran. Ruhozi Maarak. Sorry,
3: Marikegiri.
2: Okay, maybe you read this. No, no, really. go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, what you said, yeah. and many more forms of the same kind were common too. What makes them different from Western performing arts is that they are ma- they were mainly performed on the streets. So they were available to the public before being available to the elites of society. I'm sorry to hear that your guest finds them, quote unquote, ridiculous. They were not ridiculous, just different than Western forms of theater. This, f- this finds its roots in the different ways human beings experience and express their emotions around the world. There is nothing ridiculous about them. By the way, thank you, Shaya, for the Sohel Nafisi piece. Oh.
0: You're <laughs> very welcome. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So that that's a response to Shah, uh, Shahrokh. Yeah,
2: yeah, he was saying how back in the day there wasn't really a form of theater um, when he was first growing up in Iran. Hope um, and then on Facebook. Thank you, Gila. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, we have Nila Fashad. She says, "Jianjian, you are you are an excellent interviewer, and I enjoy listening to Rook podcast. I wish you, Groovy Shaya, Captain Reza, and Kian all the success." Proud to be Iranian.
0: Nice. That's oh. not the letter of the week? No.
2: It's oh, pretty <laughs> good. I know. It is I would have given good. that one letter. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> it gets better. Hold <laughs> um, on, Instagram as well. Again, uh, no username, or no name, sorry. It's just Nikki. Um, that's a name yeah it is a name but it's not no I don't name have her, it's a, just Nikki <laughs> I don't have her last name like that's her username Nikki she says <laughs> one of the best interviews it allowed the listener to feel and love the real Sharukh. thank you Jianjun Sharukh is a unique jewel Thank you, Shah for not just nourishing our feelings, but educating us as you always do. Nice. Very beautiful. That, is that not
0: the letter of the week? I
2: know, it's getting oh, better oh, and it was better. It's pretty good. It's, competition's really okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> heavy alright. this By week. By the
0: way, I think it's Shah Rukh.
2: Shah Rukh. Shah
0: Shah Thank you, Thank you, Shah. I'm doing your work for you there, buddy. <laughs> <Thank> you.
2: <Yeah. laughs> your Farsi's uh, improved, yeah. Gian. What, <laughs> what can I say? Hey, <laughs> fish, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what?
1: j cookie. It
2: That sounds so funny to the ears. Um, uh, and then Hossein Vahid wrote, Hi, Jianjan. As I mentioned before, I have been listening carefully to each of your episodes. With respect to Shahrukh Moshkin Qalam, I just wanted to correct him that we had theaters back in the day, even before World War I. In Rasht, the capital of Gilan, in the north of Iran. All right, so a lot of corrections this week.
0: Yeah, there were some corrections with respect to the theater. I yeah. think uh, the Shahrokh was. Uh um, speaking of some things he knows, but uh, yeah.
2: there <laughs> Based on yeah, There's his a couple of people on our team
0: <laughs> too who were. Oh. Wait, it's it's like uh, it's like American politics at this point. You have to yeah. like uh, fact check as they speak. Yeah. You know? He said
2: something Let's else. Go to the fact check. That, he said something else that stood Jake, out to me that I yeah. meant to ask or Google later. He said that eighty percent of your personality is developed until the age of nine. So is that true? Eighty percent of your personality is mainly between that age.
0: Uh, it, it, it may be true But I think we should have an authority uh, Yeah like well, a psych- we'll, we'll fact check we'll, we'll, we'll get, Yeah we'll fact check that With a, one of our resident <laughs> psychologists We've had on the show yeah, Let's call right. someone yeah.
1: up.
2: Well look at that It's the letter of the week. Wow. Oh. Yes
1: oh.
2: I thought you'd never get <laughs> here Exhaustive <laughs> You
1: know
2: what, It's like
0: sitting there And having the gulag well, Thanks walkway. Thanks
3: a gulog. lot Gia is, is
0: it gulag? Gulag Gulag it's like having the gulag <laughs> walk by. Get out of
2: <laughs> <laughs> huh, The letter of the week right. this week goes to Said Homayouni, mm. who wrote to us from Quebec on okay. YouTube. He wrote, "Thank you, Gian and Co. It is actually excellent that you're back, and even better that you started Rook. Very, very well said. Thank you. Uh, interviewing Persian diaspora icons." Mm. I remember when I was a student, I had a notebook and was collecting names of Iranian scholars, artists, and popular people from around the world. Your list has gone so very far, and I, think, I, and I thank you for introducing some interesting personalities with exciting profiles, expertise, and backgrounds. I hope one day in a free Iran, all of them can return and help develop the country in diverse areas and fields. Keep going! And yes, your Persian is excellent. Ooh. Keep using it more with a wing oh. face.
0: Merci, go. Aziz. W- <laughs> Saïd Joon. <June. laughs> <laughs> <June a> Quebec. Joon Quebec. khosh. Khosh What?
3: Okay,
2: your Farsi is disintegrating. <laughs> Maybe just keep it you, small. <laughs> just because you can't understand it. Shai understood it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like politely
0: not letter of the week. Khubibud,
2: right? There's that for them. What
0: is so wrong with my (laughs) (laughs) life?
2: Reza and Shia would just be sitting behind the (laughs) glass, losing it, laughing. That was a
0: great letter of the week. Thank you to Saeed. Thank you, Saeed. Thank you to our uh, amazing team here. Uh, We'll see you next week with the letters of the week. This is full time for Rook for today. Thank you, Captain Reza thank you the fabulous Keon thank you Shia our next show by the way our next show will be number 50 wow we have a very special guest joining us that's next Monday if you have any comments on this show if you want to help us out somehow if you want to ask any questions if you want to make any comments info at rookmedia.com info at rookmedia.com our website is rookmedia.com where you can link to all of our platforms being YouTube Instagram SoundCloud Spotify, iTunes, Telegram. That can all be found at rookmedia.com. Thank you to our team, Susan, Ponta. It was nice to hear you here today. Sara, Kion, Roham, Merdod, Mohammed, Navon, Reza, and Gurvishaya. Thanks to all of you. Mizun Bashin.